Welcome to A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world with self-care strategies from Chinese medicine. I'm your host, Brody Welch, here to support you on your journey of health, happiness, and personal evolution. Welcome to today's show. As a lifelong student and teacher of embodied consciousness, I am so grateful and excited to have back for her second appearance on Healthy Curiosity, Liz Koch, who is the author of Core Awareness and the Soaz book, and her new book, Stalking Wild Soaz, Embodying Your Core Intelligence, which seeks to dissolve the objectification of body in order to reconceptualize human beings as biologically intelligent, self-organizing, and self-healing, which of course dovetails beautifully with Chinese medicine's philosophy. If you have not heard basically what's part one of this conversation, uh, Liz was on the show a while back, and you can look into the archives for the episode on, that we did on the psoas and kind of where it is in the body and why it's such an important quote unquote muscle, but oh, so much more than that, um, messenger of the core. And we're going to dive deeper today into the energetics of the psoas and why Liz has built her entire career around this mystical and magical piece of our physiology. Liz Koch, welcome to A Healthy Curiosity. Welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brody. It's good to be here. I am really excited to hear more about your work. It's just, first of all, you're such a beautiful writer. Like just the, the, the language that you use, even just perusing your blog, it's so poetic and lovely. And it encourages the kind of appreciation for the the majesty of the human body and the reverence for it that I think is uh, is nice to be in touch with. So thank you for that, for just oh, thank, contributing thank that to the world. For those who might not have uh, listened to part one um, or our previous interview um, on the SOAS, can you just briefly sum up why this part of the body means so much to you? I find the core of your being is connected to everything else. So in some ways, although that wasn't my intention when I kind of uh, dove in, it's how I've evolved uh, 43 years of working with the SOAS as a really truly a core messenger, as a biointelligent tissue that informs us and forms us. It's intriguing to me. It's, um, you know, we have to step out of the old mechanistic model of body as object and thinking of it as some tissue that's called muscle that has no soul or relevance and step into a biointelligent perspective of core, which is that you are a living system. You are a living being. You are a living organism. And I actually have a, a short passage from my new book I want to introduce you to. I think it would be a way to bring this around to our conversation today. Oh, please do. Yes. Questioning what is interfering with a self-regulating, self-organizing system immediately changes our approach. 
especially professionally, if you're in the profession of working with people, from one of reactivity, trying to fix a problem, but even if it's you yourself trying to fix that problem, to awakening awareness in ourself and in our clients. I've been told that Taoist healers call psoas the muscle of the soul. Embryologist Yap Vanderbal tells us, you are not a product of cell division. You are an organism. And from the very beginning, you are a soul continually shaping and rising up against falling apart to maintain your individuality. Forty years exploring psoas confirms that self-actualization may be the core task of psoas. Beautiful. So we are, yeah, we are a self-organizing system. Self-healing, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's interfering is always the question that I'm asking, not how do I correct, how do I fix, nor how do I uh, educate, or how do I learn something. It's actually what is interfering with a system that knows how to find balance, that knows how to organize itself in space and time. So what kinds of things might be interfering? Well, gee, I think you're going to tell us the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we turn the tables on this conversation. (laughs) Because, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So you're going to tell us about uh, some some ways of looking at SOAS from an energetic, from the Chinese perspective. But my perspective, and I am very sensitive to the energetics of SOAS, is it's all about core integrity and, and where that gets compromised. And that can be anything from our emotional expression to your birth experience, the time in the womb, to uh, your uh, conditioning of growing up, to where in the world you live, to the foods you eat, to the air you breathe, to all the ways that an organism could be compromised. So really, you're, you're talking about anything, it could be the inputs from our environment into what we think of as the self or the ecosystem that we're, that we're a part of and that, that is us uh, on a physical level or on a, on a traumatic level. Yeah. And also, it's not only what happened to us, it's what didn't happen to us. So we want to also include the unknown. So you could look at it as simply a lack of nourishment a lack of responsiveness, uh, not being responded to in terms of the what would really nourish our system. And of course, that's something we all mutually share, but it's also something that's very individual in terms of finding that, that really true balance within oneself. So it can't be one size fits all, right? It has to be really honed to learning to notice within oneself what are the impulses and actually trusting this deep biointelligence within us that does literally inform us. So no matter what our experience is, you know, however we look at our experiences, that what I find so intriguing about being uh, a living organism is that I can access, my consciousness can access a deep, profound information that is kind of beyond my terrain, so to speak, but beyond just who I am or who I know myself to be. And that's what's so 
you know, we're interacting with the earth, with all the elements and, and the elemental piece is what I'm so intrigued about, you know, that I'm made of dirt, I'm made of air, I'm made of water, you know, I'm made of fire and how these come into balance actually wakes me up more. Why the psoas? I mean, yes to the notion that we are made of the elements of nature and that heaven and earth, as Chinese medicine might describe it, meets in our body, in our, um, in it, specifically in our lower abdomen, right? the sea of chi that we call lower dantian. Um, and that there is this idea that from Taoism, certainly that by, uh, by looking within ourselves, we can know everything there is to know. Right in in the phenomenal world, mm-hmm. there's absolutely this resonance, and so I'm curious as to like okay, so we we can accept that as a premise, but but why the psoas in particular? Like what? Because it's right behind the dantian. Yeah, it's right behind the navel. It's not a muscle. We defined it as that, but that's because we've looked at cadavers, and that's our premise for understanding body is. Yeah, it's our it's our bias, right? Is like looking yeah, at it's it, our bias. dividing it into tissue parts and tissue types and things like that. Exactly, but it's fluid tissue mm-hmm. that it literally emerges out of what we think of as the midline or the the axis of the human organism, or the governing conception vessel. However, we want to think of the spine. So it's literally emerging out of there. It's not attached to it. It's emerging out of that. And it's very fluid. It's the filet mignon. So it's the juiciest cut of meat we eat in an animal. And one of the things we know about tenderloin is that it's, it isn't biased. It's not biased to movement. It's not biased to direction. It, it's a, a global tissue. It's more like a cucumber. It's multidirectional. And so it's like more of this very subtle tissue that is literally informing us about what I call coherency, but is also what you could call your survival responses. So if there is a disruption, your psoas kind of starts to talk to you because your life is not safe. Something's not safe. So when it's kind of broadcasting, you could say, it's giving us information that we're not locating, we're not grounded. And so it's a fear response, but it's very subtle, elusive tissue. Like sensing your psoas is kind of like trying to hold on to a cloud. You know, it's incredibly subtle. And when it isn't, so if you have psoas, it goes, well, mine's not subtle. I know exactly where it is. And I, it feels really tight and you know, inflamed, that's because you haven't listened to its message. And Mm -hmm. it's been broadcasting for quite a while. And it actually ends up compensating. So one example is that if a person has injuries in their pelvis, in the pelvic bowl, in that center of organization, the psoas ends up becoming that torn ligament, or in, in other words, it takes over, it's recruited for safety. And recruiting for safety can be physical injury, but it can be emotional expression. If I am not safe in the dynamic of my family, if I can't show up, if I can't self-actualize, if I can't flourish, then I will uh, recruit and manipulate myself to be cared for because that is how 
young children understand, they instinctively know that on a very primal, primal level, that if I am not recognized, I'll be eaten. That's the level of the psoas. That is the level of the psoas. Okay. So in this case, like I, I, I had a bunch of preconceptions about what we were going to talk about today, but really we're going to talk, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Chiang Mai <laughs> from a Chinese okay. medicine perspective, because there is so much resonance with what you're saying and, and what the Chiang Mai is all about. So you made reference to the extraordinary vessels of the governor vessel and the conception vessel, also known as the Dew and the Ren, which are basically the the midline of the body. Uh, that both of these are the conception vessel, governor vessel, Chiang Mai. All three of those originate in what we would consider the womb or the lower Dantian, and then they all kind of have this midline trajectories. But the Chiang is essentially it is kind of like where where the programming of who we're who we are to be in this life is all about and it's it's sort of like it it ha- chong has actually five trajectories and um there's a couple of them that relate to to the soas but if we think about the chong as this axis between heaven and earth and we come back to like the that idea of us as a, a watery single-celled organism still present like that just kind of like that it the primordial ooze, the the basics, the basics of survival is that if an amoeba encounters some noxious stimulants, it's going to contract and become small. Mm-hmm. And when it's not being harassed or poked or interfered with, it comes back to its original size and shape. And so that idea of like things that get imprinted onto our energetic field, you know, either by neglect or what didn't happen or by trauma or things that did happen that that kind of like change um that the chong which is the sea of blood also the sea of the 12 meridians um so basically the more we're living the lives we're born to live that like living in accordance with our true essence the wider and wider the chong mai becomes so it it becomes like from this tiny little river to like a thoroughfare in in through the middle of the body that is just available and and like someone who is just has someone is just truly themselves that is moving through the world in a relaxed way versus when we encounter stress or when we encounter this idea that we have to be a certain way, our sea of blood or a blood with a capital B in Chinese medicine contains our identity. It contains our emotions. And so we construct an identity around how we might stay safe in the world. And those become kind of the our depletion patterns or our survival strategies or our social selves as opposed to our essential being. And that if that's happened that yeah, this this can show up in the Chong, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you. That was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to Chinese medicine energetics that I think is just magical and beautiful. And and when really when we're talking about the level of the extraordinary vessels, we're talking about the level of the programming, right? The deepest level of who we are in our body. So it's it's like so an imbalance there is like really core, like the, you know, the word core meaning like a deep, a deep core issue, but also very often having to do with the core of our bodies and how we show up in the world. Um, and so, so really if the, if the issue is about, and, and the Chong 
among its indications of when we might use the Chong clinically is when someone has had a birth trauma, right? So like the survival needs of an infant not being met, like a lot of times trauma or neglect that occurs before we can form conscious words and stories that anything that might have happened in utero or in the birth process that might be living in in the Chiang Mai, as well as really um, the questions of who we're supposed to be, or like kind of if you're wondering like, what is my mission in life? Or like, what are, you know, that sort of what, what is my true purpose? That's a question for the Chong. It's basically, it's like the consciousness has to reflect on the essence or heart has to reflect on the kidneys. And uh, anyway, and this, this happens, <laughs> this happens in the Chiang Mai. It, plus there's That's a, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, it, it resonates with me for the psoas because that's really, when I work with people, we're really not working with this tissue. We're working with what, the, what is reflected or communicated, by, which is why I call SOAS as a messenger at the midline. Mm-hmm. It's messaging information. And because people, people experience this tissue as part of their fear response or feel it show up because they they try to resist that fear response. And so by the time they reach me, maybe somebody has palpated their psoas. And it's just what you were talking about. You go poke the caterpillar, it withdraws, and it doesn't get healthier. And so we've tried to fix this problem by fixing the psoas, but actually the psoas is simply the messenger of what you're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So with, with Chinese medicine, a lot of times if the issue is, like we, th- we always think about excesses and deficiencies, right? Yin and yang. And so just fundamentally, if I'm thinking about someone who is, who is insecure or somebody who's carrying around a lot of, um, well, just th- that they're not confident in themselves, they're not confident in their next steps, that I might think, well, did you get the kind of nourishment and early on support before the age of two that you needed in order to feel like you had a solid sense of self. And if the, you know, if the answer is no, for various, you know, circumstances, we can think about what was going on with our parents at that point, we can think about, you know, whether or not we were adopted, whether or not that we were wanted, whether or not there were anxieties, addiction issues, whatever might have been going on in our early life environment, whereby as infants, we didn't necessarily get that need met, that that could still be holding sway over how we show up in the world. And so, so kind of supporting, adding support to the Chiang Mai, or even just tuning someone into the Chiang Mai so that they can get a sense of themselves as someone with, with a, an important vital essence that, that is to be reflected upon and honored, that we might think about the Chiang if, however, someone has been subjected to trauma, there's something that has happened that they're holding on to that is, we would consider that an excess, like so that something that they haven't been able to digest and deal with, something that is blocking their, their ability to self-actualize or to even move on for, you know, just to heal in a particular way that we would consider that an excess and the excesses that of things that that show up as insecurities or guilts or senses of inadequacy or just things that that we feel scarred by or traumatized by often show up in the daimai or the belt vessel which runs around the waist so it's like it's the only um, meridian that runs horizontally and if we think about belts or the belt is the daimai belts hold things in and the points that correlate with the daimai 
relate to the gallbladder channel. And so the gallbladder channel, um, if we think about a belt that is holding on to stuff that is in the words of Jeffrey Yuen, rotting, ripening, and seeping out, um, <laughs> that, that that's going to hang out in the lower body. That's going to be oozy and sticky and heavy and turbid. And that setting, like taking out the garbage dump or like clearing the dye mai, a lot of times can result in uh, a sense of freedom or a sense of healing um, from a lot of that stuff. And so, so there's a point, actually, gallbladder 26 is the name of gallbladder 26 is Mai, And that is the point that has the most resonance um, or just like that, that has a lot to do with the psoas. And that's located at the level of the navel at the midline of the side of the body, followed by gallbladder 27 and 28, which are just kind of, if we're thinking anatomically, they would be right inside the pelvic bowl on either side um, about, and they're about an inch a diagonal inch apart or so sort of like right into where iliacus comes in on that on the inside of the pelvic bowl so these are are part of and there's actually there's the, the classic trajectory of dimai is just directly around the navel but that's sort of it modern day conception we access it through uh, through these gallbladder points that that for me like when i'm when someone has physical symptoms of so as stuff or they're just they are in need of of the letting go or emptying the garbage in this way these points are invaluable for catalyzing that kind of letting go especially when done in kind of a ritualistic way where i get my intention to line up with my client's intention about what it is we're doing and then we'll perform this ritual of needling the dai mai or the chong mai like whatever is appropriate for their treatment with this capacity of of letting go and of course since they are these deep programming levels of the body, it's the kind of thing that takes some follow through. It takes uh, usually essential oils and or acupressure in a three days on, three days off pattern for nine total days or nine total treatment days. Wow, that's wonderful. I love it. Yeah, it's sort of like kind of creating an earthquake in the body. It's like, oh, we're doing this thing and it's big. Now go ahead and integrate. And now reminder, we're doing this big thing. We're showing up differently in the world okay, yeah, yeah, figure it out. And then you give it one final reminder. So, and the Tao is just like the number three, yin, yang, and chi. But basically that's the point is that it's um, it, going to a deep level requires, a, requires kind of an overhaul. And the other thing that can happen in that process of, of thinking about someone's, how someone is showing up in the world that correlates in my mind with the psoas and it, the psoas's physiology is that a lot of times if people are like, you, you, you consider the psoas is this mediator of our enteric nervous system and really reflective of what's happening in the nervous system in the body. So if someone is too uptight or have too much going on in their world or is moving into a new phase of life and is, and is nervous about that or is, well, when we're thinking about the backbone, right, freely, frankly, uh, the ability to stand up in the world, the ability to mm-hmm. you ability, stand on your own two feet. Exactly, right. The ability, to, if we think about the energetics of the spine, that when the lower back, when the lower back activates, we have the ability to gain the upright posture. And when the neck activates, we have the ability to to look at the world and make our own choices. So like really the, the backbone, the spine is about individuation and about figuring out what we want and getting it. And so if there is this sort of around the belt, around the middle of the body, around this core area, a constriction, that's going to prevent us from being able to freely and easily 
move into a next phase of life or have that kind of backbone and solid confidence in who we are and in doing something, taking risks or moving in a new direction or just being being confident. And so we, we definitely would think about, about the Dumai, the governor vessel in that regard. And conversely, if, a, if someone lacks that kind of receptivity and sensitivity and softness to have deep, intimate relationships, if someone has issues with bonding or security or just feeling like uh, like they're either codependent or overbonded or underbonded, those kinds of issues, we're going to think about the conception vessel or the, the ren, which runs up the front of the body and it's the sea of the yin. So really it's like having, you know, this, this, you know, we need both healthy yin and healthy yang. We need both receptivity and the ability to take action, the ability to receive support and love and tenderness, but also the ability to be uh, not bound and beholden to that in order to be loved. And so really for all of those issues, we would think about the do and the ren as potential areas to treat. And uh, yeah, so like all of that, all of that is tied up in SOAS, I believe. If you've got a healthy curiosity, you want to know how you can be doing right by your body and how to live a more mindful, streamlined life in accordance with your values. While I love that you tune into the show every week, are you taking action? If not, why not? Here are the top three roadblocks that could be holding you back. One, thinking that knowing is doing. They're different things. Knowing the properties of herbs is different than actually taking them. Knowing how to change a habit is different than actually changing up your routine. Knowing is the first step, but the second, third, fourth, and hundredth steps involve action. Number two, thinking that because you're smart and used to being successful, that you need to do it all yourself. This one dogged me for years as an independent-minded overachiever. That is, until I realized that one, I can't see my own blind spots, and two, I don't know what I don't know. Now, I'd much rather work with a guide who can point out the shortcut for the path I want to travel rather than get lost in the woods alone. Not only is it way easier, but I'm more likely to show up for myself if I've told my coach or my mastermind partners what I'm trying to do. Reason number three, thinking that you don't have the money. What we spend money on is a reflection of what we're prioritizing. Maybe it's time to prioritize you. I'm opening up my calendar for a handful of one-on-one coaching clients. I've helped thousands of women break up with stress, optimize their habits, mood, hormones, weight, and vitality with integrative body-mind tools from Chinese medicine, yoga, neuroscience, coaching, and ancient wisdom. Just as importantly, I pour my heart into each of my clients and you will feel that love in every single interaction. If you're ready to feel more calm and confident in your own skin, start feeling younger every year, feeling like you're at the center of your own life rather than just getting through it and feel loved and supported in the process, head over to the work with me page at brodywelch.com and apply to work with me one-on-one. That's Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH. Now back to the show. One of the places that I work in my workshops is I focus on uh, gallbladder 30. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested to see what you say about this. But sure. the reason I do it is that what I'm actually focused on isn't the acupuncture point, but the centrification of the ball and socket joint. Uh-huh. And because I work with proprioception, which is specifically the skeletal proprioception, which is where we get our sense of location, of landing and locating. So joints don't just give us information about range of motion. They actually are locators. And that particular area right in what is called the outward rotators, if you're looking at a 
anatomy. But I do it differently than I taught in the core awareness book now. I, in there, I focused on toning the outward rotators. But now I focus on centrifying the joint, which is basically the same thing, but the attention is on the actual proprioceptor and centrifying it, which then opens the iliacus and tones the outward rotators. And when a person stands up, what I find fascinating is they stand on both feet, their weight is distributed equally, they feel the energy coming up through their whole body, and they are standing their ground. And they often verbally say something, you know, like, I belong here, or, you know, I know what I need to do now. The the decision-making capacity Mm -hmm. is lit. And all of a sudden, they know the answer to their question. Oh, I you know, love that. What they need to do to, to step forward in their life or to stand their ground and say no more. You know, to, whether it's to say yes or no, it doesn't matter. So I work with primal responses of, of uh, fetal curl and warding off as expressions of the core. But then I work with the skeletal system because I think... SOAS tells us a lot about what's going on, which is, you know, makes a lot of sense to me about the blood. It, and a lot of what's going in your bones. Like if you're not in your bones, you haven't really shown up here on earth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So gallbladder 30, to be a little bit more explicit for the, the non-acupuncturists and body workers uh, who might be listening, we're talking about the deep hip here. We're, we're talking about the posterior lateral aspect of the hip joint. Uh, basically, if you're moving from your sacrum, from that triangular bone at the base of your spine out towards that, the widest bony prominence of your hip, it's going to be kind of about a third of the distance between that outside and the sacrum. And so that's that's an area where like if you if you take a loose fist and you kind of pound out it on yourself a lot of times that's a nice way of waking up gallbladder 30. And gallbladder 30 in from a Chinese medicine perspective has a lot to do with it's it is kind of this important gateway to the lower limbs on both sides. So what you're saying about people's ability to stand on their own two feet with confidence. Um, it also has a connection to Yuan Chi, which is that original Chi that we're talking about. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's one of the few points it does. Gallbladder, from a Chinese medicine perspective, is this mediator between water and fire. So between our essence, which is stored in the kidneys um, and has to do with our potential versus the actualization, which is more a fire phase kind of a thing. We get through that via the wood phase. And so the wood phase, you know, it's the liver that has the, that we associate with things like planning and dreaming and like figuring out what our next step is. But liver then has to pass the baton to gallbladder in order to have the courage to take action and to actually bring that into being and to do the thing. So we associate liver gallbladder or the wood element with the decision-making process. Uh, Also at their organs of detoxification or liver is an organ of detoxification. So the the ability to root out what is no longer serving us to make room for new growth in a particular direction. Um, But it's gallbladder that, you know, it's, we even have this word and, you know, that so-and-so has a lot of gall, you know, right. Or that in, in China, it's like so-and-so has a big gallbladder. And that means basically that they have their, Uh, audacious enough to just 
be who they are unapologetically. So the idea of our essence and our kidneys, like being able to take action on expressing our essence to bring that into manifestation, that happening through liver gallbladder. So definitely we we look at gallbladder 30 as as key for that. It's also a point on another one of the extraordinary vessels called the Yang Chao, which is more complicated than we can really get into today. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I just loved when you told me that I got and it just lit me up because I do feel like making good decisions is part of that really showing up is being able to know inside yourself to know, not to think about it, but to know the yes or the no or the you know or or to ponder but but often people are doubting themselves so there's this confusion that is in the system right and so the audacity to show up as ourselves is just i just adore it because what i tell people is that the you know there's the lower psoas and the upper psoas and it's all one tissue but it has two different nerve innervations and the upper psoas is what i think People recruit in either performing. So whether you're looking at you know athletics, you're looking at dance, you're looking at not yoga, which is now a performance sport in many ways. Um, you're looking at people who recruit their psoas almost always. There's a few people who don't, but I would say the majority do. And it's this <clears throat> need to engage the psoas, which pushes the diaphragm slightly forward, which gives them a capacity to kind of get something done by using their will. Versus, uh, and the other people I see who do it are the people who have learned to to defend themselves against their parents and uh, society, usually school teachers, authority figures, in which they have learned to moderate their amount of blood flow and oxygen to cut down the sensory system so that they have less feeling. So an example of that is a child who's being told to stop crying and in a threatening way, like stop crying, you stop now. How would a person do that? They would have to usually hold their breath in some way, but how does that control the actual expression? And so I find the upper psoas, which is around the 12th thoracic vertebrae or slightly lower, the beginning of the lumbar, people have psoas that grow out of their midlines in slightly different places, uh, having this effect on the diaphragmatic expression and the ability to control that major artery and oxygen flow. That is so interesting. And just what you said about what you said about the will and about sort of uh, what I, what I'm interpreting as deadening our vitality on purpose, you know, like toning yeah. down our expression for somebody else's benefit or because like we're, you know, we have to be smaller. Or someone who gets bigger. Okay. Yeah, sure. Bigger by using their will. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Okay. So it can go either way, right? Right. So if the will lives in the the will lives in the kidneys from a Chinese medicine perspective. So like at just your your will as in uh, your ability to be powerful in the world, to exert your will, but also divine will. Right? The idea of like your like that truly your your will as like what is the expression of of your essential self. So the, defining power from an in 
inside out sort of perspective, right? That someone who is able to do that is strong willed. The improper use of the will, like being overly willful as you're describing it, efforting too much. Like I would put that in kind of like you're exerting too much kidney yang, too much, too much effort, too much force, too much upward and outward energy, which is also liver yang, which is gallbladder. Or like a lot of times gallbladder personalities are like needing approval or like degree seeking because they need to prop up like a weaker sense of self or like needing to be seen as like shiny and and perfect as opposed to just for, for who they actually are. So that would be kind of like putting too much energy unnecessarily in like a driving, striving sort of a personality as opposed to letting themselves rest, letting themselves yield, letting it be okay to do less than they're capable of, letting it be okay to show up as less than perfect. Um, that actually, I would say, requires true courage, overcoming the past to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm good with this. I don't actually need, I, I, I don't need to be in a security seeking space. And that's, I think, part of what healing really is, is being able to, to relax into who we are um, rather than stress into who we think we need to be. When I work with the upper psoas, what I'm, I'm helping people begin to understand is that your kidneys float on the psoas. So if you engage this tissue your to support the spine. Your kidneys float on the psoas. <laughs> Sorry, I just love, I love your imagery. That's beautiful. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, right yeah. above the psoas. Yeah, yeah, they are. So, uh -huh. so if the psoas is tense, if you're manipulating either to feel safe in the world or to feel powerful in the world. Um, it's not to say you can't dance, perform, uh, do all those things without engaging your psoas. You, you can, but that's not how it's taught. And that's not what we uh, even visually look at as, you know, so it's the rare person who actually doesn't do that, but it's the person who then has longevity in their athletics or in their, performance or their dance is someone who's actually gained that that wisdom but with the so with this these kidneys floating what we're looking at is not a short so as not a, a tight so as we're looking at dry so as and we're looking at so as that when it dries it it gets uh, thicker or denser the fascia and so how does that affect our kidneys so what we're really looking at is exhausted so as Mm, and kidneys. So like this fluid metaphor that you have going, right? That the idea that if we identify ourselves as juicy, fluid, <laughs> that, that our tissues have to be. We are. Right. We exactly. Are fluid yeah, organisms. We are. We're water. Sure. Yes. So, so if we, I mean, yeah, depending on, on how we're looking at the body, your emphasis on the yin, right? The ability to be for tissue to be supple, it has to be hydrated. For tissue to be functional, it you know, and, and flexible, and to get like I mean, blood, blood is what nourishes tissue as opposed to chi, which is what animates it from a Chinese medicine perspective. So when you're talking about a dry so as to me, the metaphor immediately is you know like that it's the liver blood that is said to infuse the tendons and sinews, quote unquote the bodily tissues to make us supple and flexible. And so when we're looking at like tight, stiff muscles or fascia or whatever, we can see that as a deficiency of liver yin or of liver blood. And the mother of liver is the kidneys, right? Like kidney yin is the source of all yin in the body. 
It's not a question of just like drink more water. It's, you know, it's a question of, of like, is there enough juiciness, suppleness, that which is moistening, nourishing, cooling, and restful? Like that's, that's yin energy in the body. Like it seems like the more we would embody a sense of relaxation with who we are, right? Kidney yin is it, to nourish kidney yin, we do all the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves. We get enough sleep. We get enough good nourishment. We get enough time alone. We get enough rest. We get, you know, like sort of that, that's the yin stuff. And then that enables the yang of doing our important work in the world or being who we're supposed to be as dictated by our souls, right? As And, and so it's, yeah. that, that's really, so if we can sink into the kidney yin, it seems like that would rehydrate the psoas immediately or, you know, like make it not yeah. dry, make it functional. Right, right. It's the striving in either direction. So as we do rest, I mean, so my my strategy has been because people are so interested in getting rid of something, getting rid of their trauma. And I, I really have come to see that at least at this time in in the world, getting rid of something, I'm not saying that, dissolving or softening or, you know, isn't good. But I mean, like the, the cathartic getting rid of it. Like if I could just get rid of this, I'd be okay. Actually, you wouldn't be, you know? And so if you take away the trauma, who are you then? What are you then? Like it's, it's the nourishing that allows the system to become more porous. And as we become more porous, as the cells become more responsive, as we become more responsive, then we do let go of toxins. We do take in nutrients. So I differentiate the difference between digesting and assimilating. The system has to be able to long, to have a longing to come out and take what it needs from the world. Now, just like the baby roots into its mother's breast and suckled the nourishment. It's very different than sticking a bottle in, in a baby's mouth. Yes. Yeah, so longing becomes part of this nourishment, is accessing that, and it does go back to just what you're saying, the deep rest, the ability to just be present to whatever is in them in the moment, the nourishing through all the different ways, including you know, hydration through water and food, you know, but the, the balance of all of that, you could drink all the water you want and all you'll do is pee a lot if your tissue is dense, right? It, it just, <laughs> it actually stresses the kidneys Yes, because you, it's just, you're, you know, I watch people in my workshops, you know, like they come to my workshops and they just start peeing, you know, and they're always going to the bathroom peeing, you know, and it's like, that's because they, they're too dry. Their system is actually not able to be able to absorb the experiences they have. So I consider that kind of a level of porousness or receptivity is another Recepti- word. To- yeah, exactly. Like the sponge that like you, you it, the, the sponge in order to do its job has to be like, you gotta, you gotta get it soaked first and, um, and then it has a capacity to absorb as opposed to when it's super dry. Yeah, and I do that through movement. I do yeah. that through micro-movement because if you just pour water on a really dry sponge, it'll just roll right off. Exactly. But if you exactly. take the sponge and you start doing little micro-movements, then the tissue starts to wake up. Mm-hmm. And as it wakes up, or the you know, it becomes more absorbent. And I think that can happen energetically by creating 
poisonous in the defenses of the system. And I think it can happen physiologically by doing fluid movement work, micro movements, these these ways in which we access the intelligence of the system. It's not through, done through functional movement. It's done through a, a biological biological work. And, and subtle work, right? Like, I mean, it yes. seems to me like when yeah. we slow down, when we, when we allow there to be, to do things other than our habitual ways of doing them, that's when we really invite either a new interpretation to the things that have happened to us or a new way of, a, a new way of moving literally in the world that we might not have been uh, attuned to before. Yeah. Your workshops sound fascinating. Um, I know that you have uh, you teach them all over the world, and people can go to your website if they are are interested in finding them. Um, as we get ready to wrap up here, yeah, let me tell people my website. It's uh, www.coreawareness.com, and there's lots of free intellectual information there: videos and articles and podcasts, and and now some interviews. In fact. Our first conversation is going up. Uh, so there's lots to learn that you can learn for free on the website. Wonderful. And if you email Liz, she has generously offered to send you class one of her remote SOAS course, um, a, a recording of a class that she's done in the past. So if you are interested in following up with her, I highly recommend it because as you can um, imagine from from hearing her um, on on our conversation has really uh, a lot to offer how we see ourselves as embodied beings. Liz, thanks so much for joining me today for this conversation. I always appreciate your time. Yes, thank you so much, Brody. And thank you so much for doing all the energetics of the gallbladder and the audacity to be ourselves. Oh, I love it. Pleasure. My pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye. One last thing just for the acupuncturists and acupuncture students who may be listening. If you are interested in the extraordinary vessel stuff and want to learn more about it, I highly recommend studying with Jeffrey Yuen or reading books by his students, including Advanced Acupuncture by Anne Cecil Sturman. Also, Peter Shea's book, Alchemy of the Extraordinary, has some excellent little tidbits there. Anyway, it's a deep and rich topic and one in which obviously has relevance to fields beyond our own as this conversation with Liz hopefully demonstrated. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes of A Healthy Curiosity, you can visit the iTunes store. If you appreciated today's show, please leave us a review. This helps other people to find the podcast. You can also head to brodywelch.com where you can find free self-care resources, learn more about Chinese medicine, and let me know what you'd like to hear about on future episodes. I'd love to hear from you. Till next time, be good to yourself.